0: Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. In a Ray Reynolds rap first, we are excited to announce that we're going to launch a eight part series on the book of Philippians. Now, this series was recorded for getting to know your Bible, uh, which is one of the ministries that we do at the Summerdale Church Christ. We look forward to hearing what your thoughts are on this great book. Give me the Bible,
1: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ.
0: Hi there, I'm Ray Reynolds. I'm the minister at the Somerdale Church of Christ, and I work with Billy Lambert, the host of this program. And we're gonna be studying the book of Philippians. So I hope you'll get your Bible and study along with us. In our broadcast today, we're gonna be talking about what it means to have unbreakable fellowship. Before we get into our lesson, I want to pause here for just a moment and encourage you to consider signing up for the free Bible Correspondence Course. This course is absolutely free. We pay for the postage and everything, and you can get an opportunity to get to know your Bible just a little bit better. So we'll pause now for that break.
1: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.
0: The book of Philippians is a very interesting letter found in our New Testament. We call it an epistle, and that letter was written to the church at Philippi, a congregation where Paul had a lot of influence, did a lot of ministry. In fact, we can read about this ministry in the book of Acts in chapter 16. Paul when he worked with the church at Philippi made connections with some individuals like Lydia who is converted to Christ along with her household. And also there's a man there that's a Philippian jailer that is converted along with his household. And so some exciting things happen in Philippi, but Paul has to leave there and continue on his journey. When he writes to this congregation, it's important to remember two very specific things. First of all, he loved the people there. He loved the congregation. He loved the individuals. He knew them by name and was very glad to be a part of their work. The second thing is he writes this book while he's in prison. He's spending time in jail, in a Roman prison cell, to be able to prepare for trial, and in doing that, instead of sitting around and visiting with all the others in the prison or spending time uh, writing to family, he spent a lot of his time writing to congregations to be able to encourage them to keep the faith. In our time together for the next few weeks, we'll be studying the book of Philippians and recognizing some very important parts of this message that he gives to this church, and that is he wants them to be joyful. Did you know that 13 times in the book of Philippians, the word joy or rejoice is used? It's definitely a concept Paul wanted them to grasp in the church in Philippi, and I would dare say it's definitely a point we need to grasp today in the Lord's church. How is your joy? Recently at our congregation, we did a series on joy, and I gave each member of the church a cup. On the cup was written the word joy. Inside of the cup, there were found mints, a little um, ring pop, some uh, gummies for the kids and also an almond joy for each person. And I encouraged our members to keep that cup of joy somewhere special, maybe uh, on the mantle or maybe in their car as they're driving or possibly up against the mirror when they look in the mirror. And I encourage people to keep it in their living rooms or on the dining room table, things like that. So that every time they saw that cup, they would re- be reminded they need to have their cup of joy full. Now, as Paul encounters uh, this congregation, it didn't seem like there was a lot of joy in Philippi when he visited in Acts 16, but boy, after he left there, it sure was filled with joy. As he writes this first chapter, I want you to listen along with me and read along with me in chapter one. It says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. With the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If Paul wants to teach us about joy, we need to take lessons from it. We need to get our pen, our paper, our Bible, and start marking down things. In fact, on the pages of my Bible, I've mentioned several of the things he says here in order to help me bring joy or bring joy into my life. The idea today is that he's trying to encourage the church to have fellowship. Unbreakable fellowship together. In these first two verses, I want you to notice that he's talking about good things. If you ever want to have a life that is full of joy, you've got to think about good stuff. Now, Paul will end his letter to the Philippians by talking about this again in chapter 4, and specifically verses 6, 7, and 8, that we need to have that kind of joy uh, in our lives today. This unbreakable fellowship That he's talking about in this this part of the chapter is about his connection to the congregation and when he thought about the church in philippi he thought about a church that was full of good things a congregation that was doing many good things for the cause of christ and so he calls them saints he also identifies here that he wants to give them a blessing grace to you and peace from god our father when we encounter people, whether they're in Christ or if someone is, is just interested in becoming a New Testament Christian, we should always speak blessings and peace and kindness and goodness on them to let them know that they are loved by God. Every bulletin article that I write and almost every blog post that I post, I always put the words, you are loved, as a reminder to every reader that they are loved by God. So these good things are important if you want to have an unbreakable fellowship a fellowship that is full of joy. Keep reading with me beginning at verse 3. It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every pair of mine, making requests for you with all joy. Verse 5, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So as we focus on these particular words, notice he is extremely thankful for the Christians there. He says he's engaging in prayer with them. In fact, he says, every time I pray, I remember you in prayer. You know, you can probably learn a lot about a person by the way they pray or by the prayer list that they have. I was visiting a man once and he had a dry erase board up at his house and he was writing out the people and the things he wanted to pray about. That made quite an impression upon me. In fact, I went home and I had a little area inside of one of my closets and I put up a marker board. The only problem was that board kept filling up and I wasn't erasing any names. I was leaving people up there because there are so many different people that I wanted to pray for. Now Paul says if you want to know my prayer list, I'm praying for you, Church of Philippi. I'm praying for your preacher, for your bishops, or the elders. I'm praying for the church leaders, and I want them to know that I have some happy, fond memories of my time with them. He also says he's thinking on good things. That goes back to our first thought. Thinking on good things, thinking about the goodness of God and God's people. Quite frequently when I preach and when I conduct Bible camp, I will encourage everyone to say the words after me, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. If you want joy in your life, if you want an unbreakable fellowship with God's people, you've gotta allow yourself to think about the goodness of God. Think about the things God has done for you. Think about the blessings that he has provided for you. And let those rest in your mind as you get up in the morning and when you go to bed at night, think about the good stuff. There's a lot of things out in this world that are not good. In fact, we get caught up watching things on television and browsing through social media and we get focused on all that negative stuff, that can't help fill our joy cup, not at all. Instead, those negative thoughts come into our mind, and it turns us into negative people. So if we want to be a true child of God and have great fellowship with the Lord and with his people, we have got to focus on good things. The goodness of God is one of them. Now read with me again, beginning here at verse 6, when he says that there is a good work that God wants to complete in you. Verse 7, Just as it is right for me to think of this of you all, Because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, Paul says, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with all the first fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now that is a loaded section of Scripture. Paul starts off with his normal greeting, blessing. He identifies the fact that we need to have thoughts of good things and the goodness of God. Then he says, I want you to think about what God is doing in you. What's God doing in you? What is he doing through you? Well, if God is working on the inside of you, which is where he puts his Holy Spirit when we become a child of God, he's going to work good things. In fact, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, what does it say? There is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and there's that word, goodness. Goodness is coming out of the life of us as Christians. And so he says, here, I want you to think about your good work. I want you to think about what God is doing in you and for you. When you have those days, I had a a young teenager tell me uh, just yesterday, he said, there are times in my life where I feel like I'm completely alone. He says, there are times that I get so depressed and so sad, I'll go into my closet or I will sit in my room and I just feel completely lost. And he says, I have friends that I want to talk to, but I don't know what to say. And I said, what do you do when you find yourself in those situations? And with the most mature answer that you could imagine from a teenage boy, he said, I talk to God. He said, I know God is with me. He's not going to judge me harshly for my thoughts and feelings because he knows me from the inside out. And I said, boy, that can preach right there. We all need to have a recognition that God is with us. That God is for us, he's not against us. He's promised never to leave us alone, forsaken. He is going to continue to abide with us and live in us and dwell in us and help us bear fruit of his Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know what else we need to say about it. That's a lot of good stuff right there. And so he says, I want you to think about what God is doing in you. But then he also identifies stuff that's going on in the church. How many times have you had a conversation with someone? And they say something like, well, I don't like that the church is doing this. Or I don't like that the church is doing that. Or that preacher had a lesson the other day that I didn't like very much. Or maybe I'm not really approving of the way our elders are doing things. The church work is going. I wish we were doing more missions. I wish we were doing more. And then you realize when you talk like that, you're talking about negative things. Now, you're entitled to your own opinion. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we're constantly sharing opinions and thoughts that are bringing down the kingdom of Christ, well, that's dangerous. We need to be careful to always look at good stuff that's going on even within the kingdom of God. We live in this world full of evil, full of wickedness, full of things that are sinful, but yet God is still working good things through us, through his kingdom which is the church. So we think about the work going on uh, in the family of God. Now I want you to notice also verse 9. He says, I want to pray that your love abounds more and more. Have you noticed that joy, that second part of the fruit of the Spirit, follows love. If you want joy, you've got to start with love first. And so he says, I want you to think about the love that you need to have, and I want it to abound more and more. To the church at Thessalonica, Paul starts the first part of that letter. You know, when it comes to love, I don't even need to write to you. It was a church that was loving. It was a church that was greeting people with kindness and gentleness. They were so loving towards one another. They were compassionate when it came to living their Christian faith. So he says, I don't even need to write about love. You've already got that. Let's talk about the other things that we need to work on you ever had a doctor who gives you a list of things that you need to do and you come back in and you say doctor i did this and this and he says well what about the other and you say well i didn't do that but you don't need to address the things that you're already taking care of you need to think about things that you can improve on and that's the reason why he says to this church i know you have love and it's abounding more and more it's evident to me it's evident to your community and it's evident to God. So he says, I want you to abound in that. I want you to grow in that. I want you to continue to bless others with that love. And by having that love inside of you, the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ, the love of His Holy Spirit, it will radiate in your life. In fact, the next part of this text will teach us that we can have this great joy that abounds and it can be fruitful to others as we shine as lights in the universe. We Make a difference. You ever seen someone or been around someone who when they enter the room, you say, well, they could just, they have a smile that could light up the room. Every Christian ought to have joy abounding in them so much that people say there's something about that person. I can sense something different about them. That's because they can sense the presence of God in you, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And you are doing good things because you can't help it. You're thinking about joyful thoughts because that's what you're putting into your mind, the positive, and then it is just overflowing. Then he says in verse 10 about approving the things that are excellent. Now, I I believe Paul oftentimes leaves little breadcrumbs along the way in some of his texts of Scripture. In other words, if you will read the book of Philippians, you might find a few little things that he said to another congregation. When he talks about the excellent things, my mind goes to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The church in Corinth was arguing and fussing amongst each other as to what the greatest supernatural gift was. Was it miracles? Was it speaking in tongues? And he ends that last part of chapter 12 saying, I wish you'd really seek out the best gift. I wish that you would find the best gift available by God and his power. And then he says in chapter 13, let me tell you about that more excellent way. And he writes an entire chapter in our English Bibles on love. That's what the greatest gift is. And it's because love will never fade away. Those miraculous gifts would fade in time. There would be no more miracles. There would be no more things like that by the hands of men. But he says, you know what? There will be love. Love lasts forever. There are three great things that abide, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love and so when you read Philippians 1 your mind probably goes to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and also chapter 13. Can you imagine what would happen if all of us had the love of God like that in our lives? Joy wouldn't even have to be mentioned from the pulpit because we'd be all so happy and so full of joy that we can't help but talk to people about Jesus and how good that he truly is. And then there in that last part verse 11 he says I want you to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now again, my mind goes to Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And God intends for us to have love and joy abounding in us to go towards those around us so that they can see what God is doing in us. We had some guests over at the house here just a couple of nights ago, and I told our congregation a little bit about this online. I was very embarrassed, but we had two visitors, and we decided that for the five teenage boys in our house and for my wife and I, one thing that I thought I couldn't mess up was tacos. Boy, everybody loves tacos and they're pretty easy to make. You would think, right? Well, I brown the meat and get it ready and I look into the cabinet and I don't have any taco powder. That's how I make my tacos. Put that little El Paso powder in there and I I will will then mix it up with a little bit of water and get it just right and uh, because I was doing this and getting it all ready I realized I hadn't bought the the packet of taco meat. So I went rifling through the pantry. I found some fajita seasoning, that was all right. I found some garlic powder and garlic salt, that was all right. I found a couple other little things that I could sprinkle in there, a little bit of salt, but it did not taste like taco meat. And I was so upset with myself, I thought, what am I gonna do? I'm not prepared, I can't serve this. So I took out chicken and I began to brown the chicken and the chicken burned. And my wife says, it's okay. You know, I'll put in some of the the taco uh, shells Well, while I was busy trying to figure out what to do with the meat and with the chicken, we burned the shells. And then I got out the sour cream. It was past date. The chips were in date, but when we opened them, they were stale. It just seemed like nothing could go right. But by the end of the night, I did something to help clear the whole situation up. Uh, my, my kids were like, oh, great dinner, Dad. you know. <laughs> but one of the things that I did was I said, I know there's something I can make that they'll all like. And it was I made a double batch of no-bake cookies. And our kids love cookies. And so they forgot all about how terrible the meal was. They thought about the one good thing in the night. And there are a lot of things, like I said, that are around us that we might want to think about. But ultimately, we need to think on good things to impact other people for good. I might think about how terrible the meal was, All they can think about is that's the first time dad's made dessert in quite a while. So think about good things. And then finally here, it says, But I want you to know, brethren, verse 12, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it's been evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, And in this, I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Focus with me, if you will, on those last few verses. Paul is trying to show the church that he has this great joy within him, and he's going to share it with the people who read this letter or hear him preach. Again, I bring back to what I was talking about in the very first part. Paul wrote these words as he was in prison. He was in a prison cell. And he says, I want you to have the joy that I have. How how could Paul have such joy in his situation, in his predicament? In fact, we find in the Bible when he's arrested, he's arrested actually on false charges. He probably could have gotten out of prison earlier had he taken some more political routes. But instead, he says, I must appeal to Caesar. He wants to bring his uh, message to the ears of the Caesar, to the king of Rome. Now, why would he do that? Because he remembers the calling in Acts chapter 9 when God had called him to be a chosen vessel. Do you remember how Ananias came to Paul? And he came to him and he said that God had appointed him for a great work. And Jesus had even said to Paul himself that he was going to go to the Gentiles and to other nations with the gospel message. At the time that Saul of Tarsus, who we now call Paul, was called by Jesus, the gospel had not even reached to the Gentiles yet. It would be later in chapter 10 when Cornelius would be the first to hear the gospel among the Gentiles and he and his family and others present would be saved. But Paul originally said, I want to go to Rome. I want to be able to, because of his Roman citizenship, have the privilege of speaking his case before the Caesar. Obviously, from reading these texts, we know that he was successful. It says that even some of the palace guard in these Roman prisons... Oftentimes they were guarded by certain soldiers or individuals that were in charge of each prison that had a connect somehow, connection somehow to those uh, in positions of authority. And so while he's in this prison cell, no doubt he's doing what he did to the church at Philippi. What was he doing there whenever he was in prison? Well, he was singing, wasn't he? He was singing and he was praising God. This palace guard probably had heard Paul singing at the top of his lungs songs and hymns and spiritual songs. They probably had encountered Paul on many occasions with what dim light he had in that cell, writing down every thought he could think of, writing to many of these churches. Think about Galatians. Think about Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians. Think about First and Second Timothy. Think about Titus. There are so many letters he wrote, either in prison or just after being released from prison. And instead of sitting in there and thinking and feel sorry for himself, he says there's somebody who needs a message. I've often found that when I'm having a rough day and I just need a little bit of encouragement, I will pick up the phone and call some of our widows at church because I know they need some encouragement. And oftentimes when I visit people, I I leave feeling better than when I got there. There's something good about doing the work of the Lord and good talking to people, taking your focus off of yourself. With the things that are going on in the world right now, there are many times when I turn off my television or put down my cell phone, I think, man, I just don't know how good I have it. There are people in the world that don't have running water and they don't have uh, adequate food. There are kids in, in the world that do not have education, don't have an opportunity to pursue a public education. There are many different people in this world that don't have jobs, that they might not have a home. I have a friend that doesn't even have a car. Can you imagine the the life that you live without having all those luxuries? Uh, It's hard for us to imagine because that's what we've always had. We can open our pantry and see enough food to feed our family for a month if we just eat it. But don't ask one of my teenage sons. They might open the door and say, there's nothing in here to eat. At our home, I actually make a chart of all the meals that are available to you If you'll just take an opportunity to do it. One of my boys said he would really like some eggs and bacon. And we said, hey, the eggs are in there and so's the bacon. Get cracking. And he didn't want to do that. He wanted us to cook it for him. But you get the point. We are certainly blessed in our country. We're blessed in our nation. You're watching this around the world. If you're watching this, then that means you have access to the internet. Or you have access to television. And those are tremendous blessings. Some people just simply do not have. So Paul says, I want you to be encouraged, church. I want you to be encouraged. And he says to them, even those in the palace guard have heard his message. Despite the chains that he was in, there were still people hearing the gospel. He never stopped preaching. I had a friend who had cancer, was very sick. And in his last few weeks of life on this earth, he became friends with one of the nurses there. And he and his wife prayed with her. They talked about her life. They talked about the things that she needed to do to be saved. And would you believe it? After some time talking with this young lady, she decided to become a New Testament Christian. She felt so compelled by his faith on his deathbed that she chose to become a child of God. I don't know where you are from time to time, but I'll bet you have an opportunity to talk about the gospel. You have an opportunity to talk about the goodness of God, and you have that joy inside of you, and it comes from this unbreakable fellowship that you have with God, that you know that you are one of His children. And you then want to tell other people about how good God truly is and let that joy just abound in you. So as I close out, just focus again here when he says every way, every way somebody is preaching the gospel, even if somebody's trying to do it out of a, out of a different spirit, he says at least Jesus' name is preached. And that's what we need to do. Just preach and teach the name of Jesus. How many of you went to vacation Bible school as a child? Do you remember singing the song, got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart? Well, we've gotten older and we've allowed that heart to harden. It's time that we put the joy of God in our hearts. We'll be more effective evangelists. We'll be more effective parents. We'll be more effective in our work, our service, whether we're in school, whatever you do. You need that joy inside of you. Keep reading the book of Philippians and you will see these are, these are just the basic principles of having true joy, true Christian joy, and that fellowship is offered to us as a true privilege. When you become a child of God, when you decide to become a New Testament Christian, you say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to repent of my sins. I want to confess my faith in Christ. I want to be immersed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you, when you know what you need to do, You'll end up just like that Ethiopian eunuch was as he comes out of that water. He went on his way rejoicing. And once the joy is inside of you, the devil's going to try to put that fire out. Don't you let him do it. Stay in fellowship with God, spend time in prayer, stay in fellowship with Christians, find a good Bible church that teaches the New Testament. I encourage you, if you want help finding a congregation, you can email us. If you want to study a Bible course, email us. Again, the Bible course is absolutely free, and we encourage you to go ahead and sign up for it and get it through your email, or you can get it sent to you through regular mail. Fill it out, send it back. And we'll give you the answers there so that you can see where you are and, and how well you've done in the course of the study. I encourage you again, get to know your Bible. Get to know your Bible and let God work on you from the inside as you read the Word and then you obey the Word. I hope you have a blessed day. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to Getting to Know Your Bible. I'm Ray Reynolds, minister at Somerdale Church Christ, and I work alongside Billy Lambert. And I appreciate so much you tuning in. May the Lord bless you
1: Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.
0: To today's broadcast, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org.